0: You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network.
1: And we're back.
0: I on the prize. we got another review. What's it been like? One, two, three, four months since the last review. Feels like It feels like a freaking eternity since we talked about driving Miss Daisy. Right,
1: Brad? Yeah, she's dead now. God uh-huh. oh, damn. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, but, grim. yeah. Sorry, uh, Now, our first review, we did that. That was that
0: was all fun. And now, for our second review, we brought along Shaq. Shaq, how you doing, man?
2: I'm good. It's, it's, it's good to be back, considering I thought I'd be here more, but then school was like, hey,
0: you got shit to do. Hey, no, I understand, man. Like, I feel like I've been more busy this week than I have been in a long time. Like, if you saw on the site, I put up three new reviews, plus the review we did, you know, like a month ago for All About Nita. Yeah, the All About Nita finally went up. And then we got two new reviews this weekend, one of which (coughs) is this one here. So, yep. and then on top of everything else in my life, I'm just like, my brain has started short circuits, but... I managed to pull up a little bit of a mental faculty for this movie here, one of the all-time classics, one of the greatest movies ever made. If you ask most film scholars and as such, *Casablanca* from 1942. Now, uh, just to remind everybody, who here has seen *Casablanca* before today? Like, I'd seen it years ago,
2: but like in chunks, and also because I was like a kid. I didn't give a shit. So I was like, oh, this is a thing. That's a thing. Let me just go watch
0: more Kung Fu shit. All these old people in this black and white movie talking the entire (laughs) time. Basically,
2: I'm just like, just give me more of The Matrix again. Like, uh, let me just go watch Dragon Ball Z a minute.
0: (laughs) Uh, If Dragon Ball Z had Casablanca actors in it, that'd be interesting. (laughs) Yo, imagine, like, Humphrey Bogart as Goku. (laughs) I'm some Goku. I'm a saint on Earth. (laughs) <laughs> I, I cannot do it <laughs> there we go Super Saiyan <laughs> don't you know that a Super Saiyan doesn't amount to a hill of beans uh, like, play it again Piccolo
1: yeah <laughs> but, um,
0: so Brad then, have you seen this movie before now
1: oh yeah I've seen it a couple of times I enjoy it it's one of my favorite classics so this is probably I don't know maybe the fifth time I have a copy of it uh-huh. and the AMC channel uh, movie extravaganza package where you can look up all the older movies and you know and just kind of enjoy them because they're they're more um quiet they're quieter films so they can just be on and you can enjoy yourself in other and words let- he's bougie as fuck <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my daughter as- came in yeah. while i was watching it and she's like what are you watching and she's she's eight she's eight I go, oh, this is Casablanca. And she says, are you watching that channel that no one else in the world watches?
2: (laughs) Yo, she sounds exactly like me at that age. I'm like, yo, I
0: want to see that. I weep for the younger generations. Oh, man. (sighs) That's amazing. But, you know, and and to be fair, yeah, I was kind of in that generation when I was younger because I had never seen Casablanca all the way before now. And uh, it's kind of the same thing where I'm like, oh, it's an old film, but also... So many movies have parodied this film. Like, pretty much, I knew the plot of Casablanca before I actually watched it because everyone's talked about it. Everyone's talked about this. It's, movie. it's not even just
2: that they that they the, the parody the plot. It's that they specifically parody the ending? So everyone knows the ending to this without actually having watched the movie.
0: <laughs> I know the ending of this movie because I saw <laughs> Family Guy where they did their uh, porn parody of Casablanca. If you remember that one. Oh <laughs> uh, and and then also actually my first exposure to Casablanca, historically speaking. Uh, I w- listened to this old tape when I was a kid That was Looney Tunes doing the ca- the plot of Casablanca Like a very paraphrased version of it <laughs> I'm just like, oh, so it's just the same exact plot As that Looney Tunes tape I used to listen to <laughs> just, just, Oh yeah.
1: my god That's a <laughs> really fantastic weird. fantastic special though Anyone who can YouTube, look it up See, now I sound like an old man Anyone who can YouTube should watch that Looney Tunes special Hey, no, I, bl-
0: I agree, I agree
1: What is the
0: YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Is there a MeTube? (laughs) But anyways, yes, this is Casablanca, uh, released in 1942. It was – this is interesting because this movie was not expected to be any degree of a success at all. Because this was back in the studio system when they were pumping out movies by the hundreds. You know, just uh, Warner Brothers, Fox, uh, Paramount, all those companies. They were just dishing out these films on a regular basis. And Casablanca kind of fell in the cracks. It was just like, well – you know, it's a movie that nobody seems to want. It doesn't have enough sex. It's too talky. It's dated because it's an older style of movie than what we usually make. But somebody had faith in it. Somebody had faith. To, and specifically, it was the producer, which I believe his name was like Harold something. i have to look at it for just a second. But he he really pushed this, and they adapted it from an unpublished play written by the two main authors, um, uh, Julius and Philip Epstein, who were t- identical twin brothers, believe it or not. Uh, And so from there, they really pushed this film out and they got it made. It kind of went to a soft launch at first. And then as soon as it started to pick up momentum, they're like, oh, wait, we got a hit on our hands. And sure enough, the movie went on to win three Oscars. And it's especially its script is regarded as one of the best scripts ever written in Hollywood. But uh, going on from there, we want to talk about what the actual plot is about. So, um, you know what, Shaq, why don't you explain what is the plot of
2: Casablanca? So basically how yeah this this takes place in what the in yeah 1941 and yeah it takes place obviously in Casablanca mm-hmm. and we follow Rick Blaine who owns this bar in Casablanca where every all like the scummy like the, the it's a mixture of like a mixture of everybody just like from the scumbags from the co- from the corrupt cops to the Germans showing up and he's just very much like a neutral party he's like listen Everybody just kind of stay cool. I don't give a shit about anything y'all got out there. Here is just... You just drink. You gamble. Enjoy music. That's it. He
0: could be more of a metaphor if they tried. Like, like literally, exactly. he is
2: America in the war that time.
0: <laughs>
2: and so, at one point, he gets these letters of transit where it's like... Like, you could basically just travel anywhere. And there's upcoming this big, like, freedom fighter who shows up. Uh, frickin' Victor Laszlo. And... Then also, Victor Lasso also brings his wife, who is a former lover of Rick, and it makes things complicated because they're trying to make their way to America. And, yeah, things get complicated, feelings come back because, yeah, Rick and Ilse used to be lovers. And it just starts off this
0: whole little drama thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because it's like one part melodrama mixed with a bit of a political thriller mixed with, you know, a lot of other stuff. But, yeah, primarily it's trying to get these two people because laszlo prior to this he was in a concentration camp in germany and you're just like yeah i am not going back no matter what so i will do everything in my power to leave so i can keep fighting the nazis and um ilsa which is funny because they were lovers while he was in the concentration camp where i'm just like yeah. man <laughs> yeah she was trifling <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just like you know what Honestly, I kind of expected Laszlo to be kind of like, you know, in a lot of these stories, the boyfriend or the husband is kind of the sleaze or kind of like, you know, oh, well, she's better off with the main hero. It's like, not Laszlo is actually the best husband possible. Like He is very, very understanding of her no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> he is way more cool about it than you think. Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting, too, because um, I just, I don't know, I, I really, as much as I knew everything about this movie and I knew what to expect going in. I just found myself very entranced by this film. Like, from beginning to end, even though it's an hour and 40 minutes, I never felt the length. I never felt like it, it would ever slat, they never dragged, it never slowed down. I felt like I was totally into it every step of the way. I mean, Brad, would you agree with that? Or
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, I like to just have it on sometimes. And, you know, it's got a lot of good set pieces, a lot of good dialogue exchanges, excellent banter. Everything in this film almost seems like the perfect uh, the perfect origin of how these tropes would later play out in Hollywood. Like him and Louis being buddies. That, that's like a perfect partnership. Oh, kind of a spoiler. Oops. You might and, say it's uh, the beginning of a
0: beautiful friendship.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> him and the, uh, the love triangle, where he's a, he's a scorned, uh, very bitter, cynical, scorned lover, and then finding out that maybe, you know, maybe this hill of beans... Is more important to tackle than three people who just want to have sex. Not the exact line, but something like that. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> even... <laughs> something like that, you know. And then the uh, and then the espionage. You know, the espionage in the in the, the romance and the the drama. It's it just all seems perfect to me. Uh, the only complaint I have is I think Elsa. Yeah, Elsa might be a little dated with her like oh Rick. Rick, I love you so much. Make all my choices for me. Uh, No, no, sweetheart. Laszlo should be making your choices. And that was a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you think about like that exactly, but yeah.
0: Yeah. When you think of Bogart films, like this is kind of an example of what you think for like that stereotype of like, you know, the the, the toughest nails guy, you know, the guy who (laughs) he's so cynical (laughs) about life kind of thing. And then you got the woman like that. Yeah, it's it's very archetypal in some of its approaches. At the same time, though, I didn't find Ilsa was a bad character at all. Like, I actually found myself, I really did like her on the whole. Especially, yeah. at some point, she has to take a proactive approach near the end. Where it's like, yeah, oh, my that, husband's... That's true. Yes, yeah. yeah. I like that a
1: lot,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that that served a lot. Like, Especially, the part I like the most, surprisingly, is that ending. Like, that last 20, 15 minutes or so, they really culminate a lot of stuff. Where it's like, we gotta get this going, we gotta wrap it up. And it really paid off, at least for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, But one thing one thing I did want to mention because like the the one thing that just kept like sticking out in my mind. I know a lot of people probably knew this back in the 40s and I only kind of realized it like as rewatch. But man, Humphrey Bogart's the coolest motherfucker on earth. Right? Jesus. <laughs> Every line has so much just cool in it. Even he is it hypnotizing. <laughs> even if it felt kind of schlocky and dated in the in like a modern sense, he still found a way to just make it seem like, yo, I don't care, but this you're gonna love this shit.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> just like, like even just...
2: like the even like the little quips he had with like the captain, where it's like, yo, what'd you come to Castle Blanket for? It's like I'm here for the waters. It's like, yo, what waters? It's the fucking desert? I was wrong. I <laughs> <He> was disinformed. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Seriously, I think this movie has like five or six lines on the top 100 film lines ever. And almost all of them are exclusively from Humphrey Bogart. Like he has almost all the greatest quotable lines. And just the way – one, the way they're written. But two, the way he delivers every one of them. He's just got – there's just something about Bogart. He's just so charismatic, you
1: know? (laughs) The the
0: originator
1: of swag. (laughs) Oh, 100 percent for sure. Yeah, I'm going to start saying my kids are going to be upset and my wife. And this happens every time I watch Casablanca. I'll be like, he's looking at you, kid, for a good three months now until I finally (laughs) just let it fade away back into the back of my mind. But, yeah, I love that character.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just – its he's so – there's a reason why Bogart became a huge hit because even before this he had a few – even I think with his director, he had a few hits before this. But after Casablanca, was the, was the Maltese Falcon before this? Uh, I want to say Maltese Falcon was after. He did. A, I think he did Big Sleep before this one, though. If I if I remember okay. correctly. But yeah, no. I mean, like, like this was around that period of like his peak. You know, he did this. He did Cat, uh, Maltese Falcon, Big Sleep, um, and uh, 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 he, a couple other ones too. But like you know, this this is the start of what we know as Humphrey Bogart today came from this era of his of his career. And also.
2: To say I was right. Freaking Maltese Falcon came out the year before. Oh well, then you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's still, but still, it's in that era of just like him basically being like the leading man of leading men.
0: Oh yeah. No, this this made us you know fall in love with him. And then uh what's funny because I mean he got an Oscar nomination for this film, but he did he wouldn't win until you know like a decade later for African Queen. So, it, but I mean, and to be fair, that's a very different Bogart performance. So I can understand why he maybe won over that versus this film. But uh, more on that later. Uh, I also say, like, I really liked uh, Claude Rains in this film. You know, where he plays uh, Captain Louis Renault, which, so he's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be French, right? Yep. <laughs> he's the least French man I've seen in a long time. But, oh, that, he was laying on that, like, fake French accent thick was, and, like,
2: uh, as a french friends. speaker it's <laughs> like it's it's very much like a wee wee wee
0: oh, oh, stereotypical <laughs> bullshit. and he did have the mustache too so there you go he but, did. <laughs> you know it's funny though because awesome like i Inspector still clue so shit <laughs> you know I, I have to suspect that maybe they modeled his look after that so there we go i feel like they did <laughs> but having said that i thought claude reigns was still playing the part well for as fake as his french was you know it's like it's He was the other actor who got nominated for this movie, and I'm like, I can kind of see that. I don't think he's great, but I think I enjoyed him enough throughout the film. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think all the actors overall are pretty good. We had great performance from uh, Paul Heinrich as Victor Laszlo, the husband. Uh, We had uh, Conrad Viet as the major Heinrich Strasser, And then uh, an actor who I thought was in it too little, just because I love this dude so much. uh, Freaking Peter Lorre as the guy who kind of starts the plot off. Yeah. Like, yeah I mean, I, now that you say that, now that I think
2: about it, you know, he, yeah, he was used pre- pretty shortly.
0: And it's so sad because I mean, I love Peter Lorre. Like anytime I see him in a movie, he just, there's something about him, his eyes and his looks and that stuff. He just stands out. But yeah, I mean, I get it. He's just kind of a vehicle to move the plot along in this film. So, you know, no, no harm, no harm, no foul, I guess. But um, I guess just say also with this movie, it's very gorgeous looking, you know, just for black and white photography. It looks really, oh, really good. Oh, yeah. Jesus <clears throat> cr- Dude,
2: especially like the shots that focus on Ingrid Bergman, like just like that soft light lighting just on her face. You're just like, holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, she she always looks glamorous in every shot. And uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and funny fact, too, like I would say like I want to compliment the set design of this, but. To be fair, there's only a couple sets that are actually built for this movie. I looked in the trivia. Almost all the sets, except for Sam's uh, cafe and one other set, are recycled from other movies. So there's almost really? no new sets that were made for this movie. Cool. Which, uh, it's still—I mean, you would never guess. It looks pretty convincing, Those it was just kind of a funny fact. <laughs> yeah, I'd
1: say so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: But yeah, like what else? Uh, what were some of the stuff that stand out for you guys? Because I mean, I, you know, when I think about things to complain about, I can't really think of anything other than. Sure, it's dated. It's old. It, you know, it may not translate to the you know to Brad's kids. You know, they're not going to watch this movie. <laughs> the,
2: that's uh, the great. thing. Like, this is one of those things where, like, <laughs> I very much said like on record in like public forums and shit that I'm very much not a fan of old Hollywood because I feel like it, it's it's very much an era that's partially up its own ass. But <laughs> this, like, I, especially this is like one of those ones that like I always felt because people romanticize this movie so much like like i know i've very much acknowledged like it was an influential film but at the same time i just felt like they were so up its own ass about it that i was like you know what i'm probably gonna hate this whenever the fuck i see this again but thankfully that actually doesn't go this time around where like i thought it was like it's very sincere it's it's schlocky but it's very sincere in the way it goes about progressing the story in a way that's still very exciting.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, uh, Brad. Any other points you want to bring up for that?
1: Well, I think it's a, a timeless classic, and I'll probably call a lot of classics that on this podcast. So <laughs> everyone get prepared for that now. But this Frankenstein, one, timeless timeless you know, classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you timeless know. classic. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I just love how, and this I might not say as much. They don't make them like this anymore. Because I was thinking, if this was remade, and I'm sure you two will agree, the ending would be like, if you get on that plane, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. And then she'd say, well, I'm staying with you, Rick. And then they'd embrace and kiss, and they would stay together. You know, I actually have a fun fact about that. (laughs) Oh, excellent. (laughs) Well, the whole point of being choosing something greater than yourself so other people can live in a world without Nazis... You know, if I could put that literally um and not just hooking up with your old fling in today's day and age the audience wants them to hook up with the fling. I think even my my love, my darling, my wife is even like she really should have jumped off at the end and just pulled the parachute. And <laughs> be like Rick, I'm here, Rick, and he'd be like, "I love you, here's looking at you, kid, you know and but see I feel like so that's yeah, a really I think bo- it's timeless.
0: I think that's a bold mm-hmm. choice of the film that it wasn't about him, like, getting together the girl. Like, that. you know, we always complain about movies that get too political in this day and age. And I know Brad and I will probably talk about that in another review we do <laughs> later. But yeah. um, I feel like this movie did it just right. You know, like, there's just an amount where Absolutely. the film is about politics. In fact, one of the big things about this movie, because Warner Brothers at this time in 1941 was the only studio putting out anti-Nazi films. Like, they made a big point about making films that were anti the rise of fascism. But uh on top of that, they did it where, one, they did it with just enough touch where that's the, that's the surrounding of the core plot. So it's like, yeah, it'll make itself known, but it's framed with such likable characters that we get the gist of it and it's not feeling forced. But then also, uh, I thought with a really cool twist. A lot of the minor players and a lot of the background characters in this are actual refugees from the, um, the countries invaded by Germany. You know, so... Wow. There's that famous scene when they play um, the Marseille versus the German anthem, and a lot of those people who are crying are actual French citizens who are crying while singing the anthem. So I thought that was a really bold move to make on their part to, like, incorporate that element to it. And it made it feel more sincere than a lot of other movies. too.
1: Yeah, yeah, chills. That's amazing. Yeah. I should have guessed that because of um, especially the woman who is singing, like, belting out – that anthem it's definitely well I've seen it a lot and I've been like wow what a convincing performance but I guess it wasn't that's amazing oh yeah I, was I I mean not a performance it was her in that moment as a genuine wow that's 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 amazing thank you for sharing that
0: oh yeah I totally agree no I think that was really great and I think just so much of it is great and this again this movie did it just right where it's not I mean it makes its point clear you gotta support the right side. Don't you know? Don't be a Nazi, dang it! <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I think it did in a way where you like the choice they make about it. It's like, yeah, it is a thing about doing the right thing and helping these people out. Like you know, and even they echo that well with other scenarios they happen in the film, like with the Hungarian girl. Uh, was it Hungarian or Bulgarian? Uh, the the girl that he helps.
1: Uh, I believe she was Bulgarian. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. You know that was really good. I thought a lot of the other scenes where he's trying to help out bit by bit as he's getting his guard broken down. It it felt made it felt very earned the way that he becomes the hero at the end of the movie, uh, you know, in yeah, some, some capacity. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I guess any other points you guys wanted to raise up before we give like a proper review and then onto our trivia? No, no, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> nothing extra. All right. Yeah. No, I mean it's not a lot to say. It's just I think this movie is great. So I'll just start. I'm gonna give this movie uh, nine out of ten. Really awesome piano players. <clears throat> man
2: sam is so good <laughs> he's so cool, cool.
0: And i almost wish there was more of him because i mean he's so famous for the film and he's only in like like what five scenes in this whole movie also with one of the most misquoted lines in the history of cinema well and so i looked it up is because um there was a spoof movie that was made called play it against sam and that's where people associate the quote from but the actual quote of course gotcha was, play it sam play as time well, goes by
1: Ingrid Bergman says, play it again, Sam, doesn't she? And he's no, like, well, well, no, well, she not uh, play, play it. that song no more. But I think play she, it, Sam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I, well, no, I'm, excuse me. You're right, though. I, I, As I said, I've seen it, like, a lot, and I misquote it all the time. I'm a part of the problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I thought that um, Dooley Wilson, who plays Sam, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he had, like, three of my favorite scenes, and they were all scenes where he's just playing songs. Like, uh...
1: What was it, that knock on wood song? Where I'm
0: just like, oh, this is kind of catchy, actually. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had the whole crowd involved, he had the whole bar involved. And, you know, that makes us involved. So it's it's great tune, great melody. Yeah.
0: So then uh, who musician, wants to go man. give the review? Who was it? Sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. Who wants to go next?
1: Uh, I'll just quickly give it nine pointed guns, intense moments that you didn't expect, but kind of expected out of ten. Yeah, there were kind of there were two scenes at least for sure. In this one where you're like, oh, yeah. you know, we got guns. It's like, not <laughs> no, so fast. Yeah, the,
2: the, 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 there, there is violence in this movie. <laughs> the, the, don't forget that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But then, uh Shaq, what do you think?
2: Uh, my rating. I will also gonna. I'm gonna also be that person to give it nine plane tickets out of ten. There we go.
0: Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. Fun fact about that too. Technically, you couldn't get a transit visa out of Casablanca. That was made up for the movie, but. Apparently, the original playwright who wrote the play this was based on was just like, "Oh, well, the audiences won't care. They won't notice. <laughs> yeah, who, who, who gives a fuck about accuracy? Uh? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's Hollywood. People deal with it. <laughs> so then, uh, from there, we're gonna go on to the trivia and the history of this film. And <laughs>
2: someone, someone make a a, a, a a real version of that theme. <laughs> you know, I have to
0: call Lorenzo again see if I can get a theme out of him. But, Please and thank you. <laughs> um, so there's some interesting trivia about this film just to start off. Like, uh, so I had a fun fact about you were saying if they remade this film in like a later time. So this movie has been adapted a couple times to TV shows that never lasted longer than a season. Like, I think one went to like nine episodes and it got canceled. But. Um, The one person who was trying to get a remake of this promoted was Madonna back in 2000. I'm
2: so glad she didn't.
0: Oh, and guess who she wanted to get to play Rick? Who? Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) 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 Could you imagine Ashton Kutcher playing the Humphrey Bogart role?
2: This is like Poe's dude, where's my car, too. So everyone just sees him as like the stoner idiot. They either think of him as a stoner idiot, dude, where's my car? Or the actual other stoned out idiot in friggin' That seventy show. It was one or the other. <laughs> uh, well, you can't put him as Rick. No.
0: Oh, my gosh. That would have been amazing. <laughs> but um, so there's a lot of interesting other d- bits of trivia. So like I said, uh, a lot of the background players are actual refugees from Germany, including Peter Lorre. Because uh, he used to be a big player in Germany for films like M, which is one of my favorite film noir films ever. But oh, uh shit. Yeah, but then after the rise of fascism, he saw the signs early on in the mid-30s, and he just, you know, hopped, you know, he, he jumped ship last minute, just like, I'm gone, get out of here. And uh, probably worked for the better for him, because he went on to do a lot of great movies, uh, including, if I remember correctly, he was in, was it The Maltese Falcon or The Big Sleep? I think he was in one of those two, so I'll, I'll find out in just a sec. But anyways, um, so then, like, let's see. Oh, yeah, like I said, with the sets. Um, now, it's funny, too, Humphrey Bogart in real life was really short like a really really short dude really oh yeah like, how short are we talking um i have to look up the exact height but to <coughs> in the scenes with him and ingrid bergman because she is not short he had to wear platform shoes to get up to her height so <laughs> yeah he was a tiny tiny guy but um yeah it, it, you, you would never notice otherwise it was just kind of a funny fact like oh okay also interesting fact um even though they they you know humphrey bogart and ingrid bergman have great chemistry in this movie yeah. but they barely actually talk to each other outside of the scenes and it made it even weirder because their chemistry is so convincing that <laughs> Bogart's wife thought he was cheating on her for a long time. Just like, "Tell me you're not screwing with uh, Ingrid Bergman. I'm like, I, I swear nothing is happening between us. I mean it. <laughs> Okay, so you know, actually, he's not oh, terribly sad. short. He's 5'8", but Ingrid Bergman is actually like over six foot, apparently. So. Oh, word! Yeah, oh, wow. she's tall. She's tall. So, yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: okay, I'm gonna I'm go travel back in time with the 40s and say what's up. But then again, <laughs> that also would be a terrible idea because I'm me. <laughs> I, just want, I can just picture him like hey, he's looking at you, kid. <laughs> listen, I can't. No, I listen. I, as a as a black man. The furthest we could travel back is like the seventies at best. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, Sam... anywhere further than that, you're just asking for shit. Oh, no. Hey, you, you can be Sam Dooley in that one, or Doo- Dooley Wilson, whatever his name is. Uh... <laughs> no, no, he, he listen, he's an exception. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He got a pass on this film, apparently. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, also interesting, the guy who played Strausser, Conrad Veidt. Uh, he was very anti-Nazi. Like, he made a big thing where he got pretty much forced out of the country because he was a big, like, you know, he, he was a – th- I think he's a Jewish performer too. But he made a big point saying, like, yeah, I I do not support fascism. And, in fact, in my contract with Warner Brothers, um, I believe who made this film, he said that he would not play a sympathetic villain if he was a Nazi because he didn't want to give the wrong image of Nazis being cool, which I'm like – Okay. Hey.
1: Wow. Yeah, good call. Good call.
0: Which is so sad because he died the year after this movie got made. So. Oh. I, mean, I know. I felt so sad reading that. I'm like, oh, dude, he didn't, he didn't get to see how the war ended. How sad is that? That uh, sucks. Yeah. But um, uh, also, okay, so a fun detail I learned about this too. Um, two funny stories. One was that Bogart, while he was filming this movie, he apparently would play a game of chess uh, that he was playing with a friend. But the friend didn't live in the same city or state as him. So what they would do is they would play the game of chess and they would move pieces across the board and they would take pictures of their move and mail it to each other. So they could play a game – you know, people say they were trying to do what we do with Rabbit but through photos over the mail. You know, (laughs) (laughs) And then someone found that out. They found an old photo of him just sitting at a chessboard playing chess and they're like – Okay, somebody explain this. What's this? And it's like, well, you see. I'm just like... Imagine how long that game must have been. Oh, Because man. T-
2: take into account, Mail's not as... Probably wasn't as fast then as it is now. Like, not in, like, three to five business days or whatever the fuck. So that game must have taken... <laughs> Years, Years. And yeah.
0: It was an excuse to keep in contact, though. That's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> and then, um, it's like a weird, it's like a different version of Tag. Like, remember that movie Tag <laughs> that you just came
1: out? It's like that. I haven't seen it yet. It looks great though.
0: I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. But um, uh, one other funny story. So apparently, a anecdote from onset. Uh, the director Michael Kurtitz, he was a Hungarian with a really thick accent, like one of those guys where it was really hard to understand him, to the point yeah. where he gave an instruction on set and he said, "I want the poodle." A what a poodle a poodle oh, okay so a crew member goes off set and gets a poodle dog and you know okay. they bring the poodle on to set and michael uh, curtis looks at him he's like what are you crazy it's like sir you asked for a poodle no a poodle of water a poodle of water <laughs> i'm just like okay that's kind of funny <laughs>
2: But I mean it's To be sc- fair, he set himself
0: up. Who asks for a puddle of water? <laughs> I don't know. I guess he had to get the scene just right. Like, I need some more water here. <laughs> oh, and also another funny story. So did that airport scene look weird to any of you guys? Like the way it's framed yes. or shot? So A little bit. You know uh, Incredibly the- foggy and Well, so the reason why empty. is uh not even just the mm-hmm. fogginess, it's the actual layout of the set because by wartime standards at the day, you couldn't film after you know after a certain hour on an airport for security reasons. So okay. what they did was oh, they built a fake airport and with a cardboard airplane and to get the scale shots, those distance shots you would see in the film, they actually hired little people to play in the distance shots. So that way with force pers- <laughs> yeah, for real, with forced perspective, you could see the scale because he couldn't actually film at an what? airport at that time.
1: That's amazing. That's so sick. And yeah, before totally into some of a, to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, before you accuse them of like, oh, well, that's so weird, Ridley Scott did the same thing in Alien, too. Some of the distant shots in that with astronaut spacesuits are actually, you know, forced perspective shots of little people in astronaut suits.
1: What?
0: It's insane. It's a weird, <laughs> weird detail. But I'm like, okay, I guess. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's super that's dope. That's crazy wild. Wow. <laughs> but uh going on from there then talking about the legacy of this film of the oscars so uh this movie was up for eight academy awards it ended up winning three for best picture best director and best uh screenplay which i think all three of those wins would be deserved would you agree
1: yes yeah absolutely yeah
0: now it's interesting because i you know just pulling out the details here about who was also competing that year i'm sure i don't know any of the movies that were up against this you know like it it it's just one of those things oh, – let's see. Because what year was that? It was 1944 with the Oscars. Uh, here we go. So – Oh, yeah.
1: Like I, I said, I've heard of Heaven Can Wait. But then it turns out I've heard of the phrase Heaven Can Wait and had no idea it was even a movie. OK.
0: Because uh, what are the other nominees since you have the list there? like What were the other nominees for Best Picture? Oh, dang. Right. I just saw it here we're now. There's sure like 10.
1: Works. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. This was this surprised me when I looked it up earlier that they had so many. I thought that was a new thing that came, not something they were bringing back into style. So, oh, for whom the bell tolls—that's a Hemingway novel. If I'm not and mistaken. And a fucking Metallica song, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm sure that's where they got it from. Yeah, there's leg- heaven can wait. You, like, yeah.
2: Sorry, no, but that's legit my favorite Metallica song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you can thank Hemingway for that. <laughs> yep, the song of Bernadette—I think that has a couple wins on here. Oh I yeah, no, I, so. I've heard of that one before. So yeah. yeah. And then you have the human con- comedy with Mickey Rooney, and so Mickey Rooney is a. Um, so this was definitely well, pre Mickey Rooney, yeah, yeah.
0: This was pre Mickey Rooney with the buck teeth and the Asian makeup and Breakfast at Tiffany's.
1: Oh <laughs> yes, boy! Yeah. Man. Oh, ooh, deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
0: then uh, I haven't heard of these three. I mean, these other films. So we got In Which We Serve, which I, I don't know that that is. Uh, the Oxbow Incident, The More the Merrier, Watch on the Rhine, and Madame Curie. Um, See, Madame Curie. I, I can
2: already guess because I'm guessing it's about Marie Curie.
0: Yes, yeah. So that's the oh, story about her. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Which I think that one won a couple Oscars too. But uh, yeah, based on the fact that I don't know any of these other movies, I'd say that's a pretty safe bet that it deserved the wins it got. You know, for yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. It's yeah. the only one that kind of stood the test of time. So yeah, and Heavyweight well, only counts because it got remade like two other times. But it's like, yeah, I mean, as no, the original that's probably films,
1: why I've heard of it. Yeah, because yeah. the remakes.
0: Yeah, because there was the, uh, the Warren Beatty version from
1: 1978.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then, um, so also the nominated, it was nominated for Best Actor for Humphrey Bogart, which, cool. Uh, Supporting Actor for Claude Rains. Uh, best Cinematography by Arthur, uh, Arthur Edson. Best Film Editing by Owen Marks. And then Best Music by Max Steiner, which, the music was good. I wouldn't say it was, like, the best, like, blow-me-away music I ever heard in the film. But it was it was fine. We haven't listened to the other
2: songs from that year to compare, so we can't really compare. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just mean in the context of the film. I don't know about the other song nominees this year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, so, but it's interesting, though. I mean, and obviously we can't really compare and contrast because we haven't seen or much less heard of some of these movies. Uh, so, but it's interesting because I looked in some details about the actual people involved. So, first of all, like I said, Michael Curtis, the director, this dude ha- is an accomplished filmmaker. Like, even before he did... Um, Uh, casablanca he already had an oscar nomination or two under his belt including one that technically was a nomination but wasn't it was for this movie called captain blood back in 1936 and it's technically not a nomination because that was before they had the official like five nominees ten nominees rule and it was a write-in you know like yeah people just wrote in who was their second runner-up for best director and he was the guy who was up there but um, oh, wow. when you think of the movies he got direct, like so the movies he got nominated for for Oscars other than that are Angels with Dirty Faces, you know, classic gangster film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh Yankee Doodle Dandy where Jimmy Cagney won his Oscar for that film. Oh, and cool. then um this one called Four Daughters, I'm not so familiar with. But then uh the other movies he did with some of notable ones, uh Adventures of Robin Hood way back in the day, one of the fam- you know most famous swashbuckling films ever made. Oh shit. Yeah, uh he did the original Mildred Pierce, uh the film with Joan Crawford. Uh oh, wow. he did white Christmas, which I believe that's a Bing Crosby or a Bob Hope uh, movie. I forget which one it's uh, buh, 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 buh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then uh we're no angels also he did back in the day, so oh wow, we're no angels. I remember that one, yeah, so he's an accomplished filmmaker, like back in the time, yeah the day. he made it Mark for himself, which again. Great for a dude who apparently you couldn't understand very well. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, do you need a poodle of water or a water of poodles now? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that's cool. But then uh, also uh, mentioning about the writers, Julius Epstein and Philip Epstein. So like I said, they're twin brothers, uh, which pretty cool. They wrote the screenplay as a play they were calling um, – uh, everybody goes to Rick's, but they just figured, like, well, we have a film called Algiers that sold on, like, the one word premise, so Casablanca is catchier, which I think is probably a better choice. If they did that. Yeah,
1: absolutely is, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the sad thing, though, is that Philip Epstein died shortly after this movie in 1952. And lame. that how, like, really How many people just suddenly died after this? <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, that's a little later, but still, it's like, yeah, he didn't last much longer, and, you know, Julius just went on to write more stuff afterwards, but it's just like, yeah, that scarred me for life i never got any better after that you know it was just it was rough but um Aww, he did yeah. he did go on to write a bunch of other movies um uh, among them he got three uh, three oscar nominations for four daughters which i believe he yeah that's the one he worked on with michael curtis again uh this film called pete and tilly that he did and then a film called ruben Rubin. and yes that's the name of the movie ruben comma ruben Ruben, Ruben. So nice they named it twice. (laughs) Um, The other writer who apparently was brought on partway into the production because the Epsteins left to work on um, a bunch of films for the World War II propaganda machine, you know, back in the day, like, you know, making films that were pro-American military kind of stuff, Uh, was a guy named Howard Koch um, who went on to write such films as Sergeant York, which uh, was one of the best picture winners that was made before this. So, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he went on to write the Fox, but he he's not as famous as the Epstein's for this this thing. And I think they usually get the credit because they wrote a lot of the most famous lines
1: in this movie. Yeah. So,
0: but there's yeah, a uh, lot of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, but then uh, going on from here, Humphrey Bogart, which you know, is Yay. there any more we can say that he's one of the quintessential like actors of the '40s and '50s? Yeah. yeah. For, I mean, like there's no, there's no, no other yeah. word there's no other way to
2: say it. But yeah, no, he is. Pretty much the guy that you think of when you think of just like a 40 style actor. Oh, yeah,
0: because... Um, yeah, yeah, that's
1: a good way to put it, yeah.
0: Yeah, which uh, <laughs> he has three Oscar nominations to his belt, which is Casablanca, the Cane mutiny which was the remake of the original Cane mutiny movie, and then um, uh, The African Queen, which he won the Oscar for. And I'm like, okay, that's good. But when you look at the other movies he was in, including We're No Angels with this director, but he did The Big Sleep, he did The Treasure Sierra Madre, he did The Maltese Falcon... He did Angels with Dirty Faces, again, with his director. You know, when you think of film noir, uh, he was in the original version of Sabrina. Not Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but Sabrina, that film. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Was he he Harvey? (laughs) (laughs) You you might be a
2: witch there, Sabrina. Imagine old-ass Humphrey Polkar playing like 16-year-old Harvey.
0: (laughs) Here's looking at you, witch. (laughs) 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 Oh, Serena, no. Are you witch? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great but uh yeah no he this was really his heyday and i, I get it that you know he didn't last much longer because he died in 1957 also but it's like yeah he he had a great run for that period of time for that stuff so uh also ingrid bergman she was quite an established actor i think if i remember correctly she won an oscar already for a film called gaslight that she did way back in the day, uh. And uh, she went on to win another two more Oscars for Anastasia, and then for this um, the original version of The Murder on the Orient Express. She won the uh, Best Supporting Actress
1: for that one. Oh, that's cool. Sick. So That's she's really cool. A,
0: she's an accomplished actress. She's got, I think, a total of seven nominations for uh, other films you've probably never heard of. Well, actually... She was also in "For Whom the Bell Tolls," so there you go.
1: <laughs> oh wow! For whom
0: the bell <laughs> <She's> tolls. <done. laughs> but That's then she's also famous because yeah, yeah. she's done some other films like "Spellbound" and "Notorious" with Alfred Hitchcock. So she was well established as being a very good celebrity, and just kept going after "Casablanca." You know, it's like good for her. She 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 ended up doing really well for herself after this film. Uh, yeah. Someone, yeah. someone who didn't do terribly well, and I guess it's just. I don't know why, but Paul Heinrich as um, uh, Laszlo, I don't think people knew what to do with him. Like, he was in the original Goodbye Mr. Chips, which, you know, is an old 30s film. People liked it enough kind of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. He did Now Voyager, which I've heard decent stuff about. But then I can't think of any films looking at his career that were really notable after that. And the <laughs> saddest thing, the, other, the one film I recognized from his list, which was, I think, one of the last movies he made before he died, was Exorcist 2.
2: Ooh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you know, I, I think he just got caught in the crossfares of like, yeah, cause I think is, is Paul Heinrich, I have to assume he must be a foreign actor, right? Or like he seemed he struck me as actually being a foreign a foreign actor. Uh let me check. Yeah, I I can't tell for sure, but it's just he I don't know why, he just never really got uh, got off the ground after that. Um, but someone who did get off the ground and actually enjoyed a good amount of success. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Hold on. <clears throat> he was Austrian born. Okay. There we go. Yeah. He's an austrian Hungarian. So, yeah, you're right. Um, but he did live to be quite an old age. Uh, he died in 1992. So, hey, he, oh, I think so he, he, outla- made, he made it to my era. Oh, yeah. All right <laughs> right when, cool, b- yeah. when all of us were there born. You go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, also is uh, Claude Rains who he enjoyed a good amount of success, mostly in the forties and like late thirties, cause he was nominated for Casablanca, but he was also nominated for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a movie I personally oh, love. Shit, he nice. was in that oh yeah, he was in that. Yeah, he was yeah, the judge uh, in that film. So actually was he the judge or was he the um the other uh the guy who Mr. Smith worked with? fucking
2: he was a senator senator joseph harris and joe Payne. okay okay and i looked yeah. that up on wikipedia
0: just so i remember it. oh right 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 okay so you know no he he was really good in that movie so uh but yeah then he's been in he got a nomination for mr skeffington i've never heard of that movie but then he was also nominated with um i mean because he, he was also in this movie with um ingrid bergman he was nominated for notorious uh so that's pretty cool and he actually went on to do a lot of movies including lawrence of arabia one of his later films in his career Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and he did pretty well. Uh, he's also in the The Invisible Man, which I believe he is the Invisible
1: Man in that film, isn't he? So technically, he's not in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, you think that? right? <laughs> <laughs> one of your most famous roles is the movie that you, no one sees you in.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, but it seems like he
0: he kind of bounced off back and forth between big name directors like Curtis, and then he would work with Capra and a bunch of stuff, and he worked with uh, you know, and then he worked in like Lawrence of Arabia. So he he did pretty well for himself during this time period. Uh Conrad Viet, as I said, he's mostly well-known for being a big star in, like, silent Germ- German movies before he left Germany after the fascism rise. But I think the most famous film people would know him for is a silent movie – one of the most influential silent films ever made, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's one of the main characters in that one. He's not the doctor himself, but he's the other lead where you're just like, oh, wow, this guy's got a legacy behind him. So – but yeah, he never, unfortunately, he died so quick, you know, like in 1943, and he was pretty old by that point, you know. But it's, it's, he hmm. kind of established himself as being a much more of an international su- success than he ever was in America, which, unfortunately, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Lorre, which, like I said, he's one of those guys I love. Even I feel like
2: the thing is, we, we know Peter Lorre for sure. Like, at the very least, like, outside of like the two leads, I feel like he's probably the most recognizable name, just well, in terms of just like all the other stuff he's involved in after like m
0: yes well m he did yeah. back in the 30s which uh that was the one that broke him out for international audiences and then right after that and he left for america and then he would go on to do stuff like the man who knew too much uh which was one of his first big english language films uh Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea the original disney version uh around the world in eight days arsenic and old lace which i just saw for the first time this year which is pretty good film i would say overall uh, but then yeah Casablanca is one of the biggest and the Maltese Falcon is one of his other biggest roles too so he yeah of course yeah. and the thing is with this guy he has such a distinct look like when you hear people doing Peter Lorre impersonations you know exactly what he looks like when you finally see him in a movie you're just like you know, exactly it's that weird <laughs> whiny German accent He's like hello I'm Peter oh, no. Lorre <laughs> hello yeah
2: <laughs> I should know that, that was way more Hispanic than I thought it would be <laughs> my name is Peter Lorre <laughs> Let's
0: wow. stop this right now. <laughs> no, I'm, well, I'm rest not going to try too, Larry. No. He, he yeah. was cool. He was a great guy. Now, one guy yeah. I do want to mention too, uh, Dooley Wilson, like I said, for, who played Sam. Obviously, this was the biggest movie he ever did. He didn't really do many other movies, none of which I've ever heard of, like My Favorite Blonde, which, okay, that one I do know which that one, but then like Stormy Weather, Passage West, n- nothing he did was bigger than Casablanca. But... By this point, he was a very famous musician who played in France. So he pretty much just playing himself in Casablanca. So, which is kind of cool. And then, uh, interesting fact too, out of all the actors in this movie, he's one of the few who are actually Americans. I think him, Bogart, and one other character were uh, actual American actors. Everyone else was. So everyone else is just like a foreign actor. Yeah, French, Hungarian, German. You know, they, yeah, they just drew in tons and tons of people, which is kind of cool that this was a very, you know, Diverse, even though it's predominantly white people, but a very diverse background of ethnicities and backgrounds and nationalities for this film. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, then to lead off uh, for this uh, stuff, talking about creatives, this movie had a bunch of big names, but I really want to talk about the three main creatives who were nominated for Oscars for this movie. Because the first one here is Max Steiner, and some people may recognize that name because he's one of the most regarded – Oscar nominees for musicians ever, like you know, when you say that John Williams has like forty something nominees, maybe fifty. uh yeah. Ma- Max Steiner's is about halfway there. He had twenty four nominations uh, for best music. Holy Jeez. cow! Yeah, which uh, he won one for the movie The Informer back in the third uh, nineteen thirty six. Uh, he won for Now Voyager that film we've mentioned a couple times, and then he won for this movie called Since You Went, which I've never heard of before, but. You may recognize that he's the dude who did the music for *Gone with the Wind*. That's really his big breakout for the uh, mass uh, publicity.
2: Oh, uh, uh, hooray! I know, <laughs> I know. Are we are we gonna do *Gone with the Wind* on an episode of these? <laughs> Your
0: call. We can just. <laughs> no. Okay,
2: because I'm not sure if I want to be on that episode or not. Because it's just gonna be me just going hey, yeah, this movie's bullshit.
0: I, <laughs> you know, I, I, and I try to be fair. I try to be objective with these films, and I get, like... If you I, say... I
2: know, I know. Like, here's the thing. I think you're a better man than me at doing that. <laughs> I, got, I got a much more personal stake in just, like, hating this shit.
0: <laughs> and at least you can say that Gone with the Wind was historically significant for having the first black actor ever to get an Oscar uh, Oscar win. Yeah, so. the, I, I will give them
1: that, and that's... Kind of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well no, no it, I, I can understand what you're saying. I mean, that, it's not handled well at all. I think there's even a scene where. A freed slave is all like, boy, I sure wish I was in chains. It's like, what yeah, the hell is dude. going on in this film? Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's not turn this into a damn okay, guy sorry, with road set sorry, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's talk about yeah, a much
0: yeah. better film. Continue a Continue talking about much the
2: much better film. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, basically,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was one of his big breakouts. But he also is well-known for, like, Jezebel, uh, Sergeant York, a bunch of big films in the 40s. Um, and I think his last one, he got – He did the Kane mutiny with uh, Humphrey Bogart. But that that was kind of the end of his run. But he was very influential for that music in that period. Sorry about that. I think
2: we're all sick here. We just keep coughing and sniffling. I know, I'm sorry. You're going to (laughs) have a lot of shit to cut out.
1: Don't worry. (laughs) It's the season. It's the season.
0: Yeah, that's just what it is. All right. Now, interesting here, uh, another person who's notable is Arthur Edson. Uh, Now, this dude, I looked at his IMDb. This dude shot a hundred and thirty-five movies in his career. Over the span of how Whoa. long? Yeah. Um, I want to say from like the thirties to the fifty. I mean, well, here's the thing: the reason why he shot so many is because he was very active during silent movie periods. so he could pump out movies on a regular basis. You know?
2: Okay, word, word, word. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but then he still, you know, even after that period of, t- of time, he was still very big in the industry. Like, uh, of the three Oscar nominated films he did, he did Casablanca. He did this one called "Old Air" in Old Arizona that I've never heard of. But then he also shot "All Quiet on the Western Front." You know the, the oh wow shit. yeah yeah. So that that's a big win for him. But then when you look at his list of other films he's shot, this dude got around. Like he shot the original "Mutiny on the Bounty," a Best Picture winning film. So he's got yeah three Best Picture winners he shot in his career. But then um yo good for him yeah he also shot Monty's yeah. Falcon he shot Gold Diggers oh, of nineteen thirty seven yeah. great musical film. He shot The Invisible Man. So, again, he shot Claude Rains not being on screen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, uh, most famously, he shot Frankenstein, the original version. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, this dude actually had a really great career. I mean, he was already pretty famous by the time he did Casablanca. But that was kind of, you know, the capper on his career, I would say. I mean, although, All yeah. the Western Front is a great, great movie from what I've heard. I still need to see it all the way. But <laughs> uh, And then, Owen Marks, the last one here. You know, this was kind of his big film. Although he did, you know, again, these people seem to like working with each other. Like, you know, when you're in the circle with Bogart and Warner Brothers and that stuff, you all kind of work on each other's movies. Because then he edited Treasure Sierra Madre. So that was one of his other big ones. And then Casablanca was one of two Oscar nominations. The other one was Janny. And I've never heard of that film before. So whatever. (laughs) But then um, the other two films (laughs) he did, the other three ones he did was Angels with Dirty Faces, White Heat, and then East of Eden, that film with uh, James Dean so there you go that is a comprehensive detailed look at Casablanca every bit of information it's all really fascinating shit
2: really yeah Yeah.
0: no and I know and this this is a very much an info dump for you the audience member but I hope you take away a lot from this because this is kind of cool to see how interconnected these people are in making other great films you know yeah yeah but I think that's all I got to say is there any other remaining notes or details you want to discuss about Casablanca guys not really, just to say that yeah, hey, like like, like we
2: mentioned before and how every fucking historian will say this. yeah, this has a massive influence that I still feel holds relevance today. like it like like as it, Brad mentioned, like a lot of the tropes that we see in a lot of movies of this type kind of got popular like originated or popularized here. And you can see a lot of that, and I think that the writing is still, even though it's still kind of schlocky, as we mentioned, it's still it's still really witty enough and really, like, just the pacing in it is so well done that it still holds up to watching today.
0: Yeah, no, just, I agree. Yeah.
2: Just get past your the bias that I had of just, like, the, oh, it's the old movie type shit, <laughs> and you will still see that there's a really, really great movie here.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I agree. I think this movie... Like I said, for being a slow, talky film, I never felt the length. I felt like it was just whip-smart. It moved really quickly. It moved with purpose. And it manages to do a very political movie literally in the middle of the war. Like, this is yeah, during yeah, World yeah. War II. That's amazing. The boldness. Yeah. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, <coughs> sorry. But, yeah, no. that's one of those things just so amazing that they had the balls to actually make a film that was – Making a clear stance on where America should be, and people clearly listened. You know, also, unfortunately, getting bombed in Pearl Harbor had to wake us up. But at least this movie was trying to get people up. You know? Politics. (laughs) But yeah, I'm I'm amazed that this movie held up as well as it did. Even though I knew every scene going into it, I still found it to be as refreshing and as good as you would ever expect. Uh, Brad, any last thoughts on that? Uh,
1: Listener... That's you out there, listener. I know more than half of you have said, we'll always have Paris, or an ir- I- iteration of that. You've said it to a girl you like. Don't lie. You owe it to this movie. Brad, Please I would be amazed if one it. person has said that. If one person. Oh, I, oh I've said that. I've used that line. <laughs> I've never even been to Paris. But yeah, just give it a watch. It's a great movie, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it that's my final
0: thought I absolutely agree so yeah thank you for the people who are listening here if you want to tune in uh, for other reviews we have a back catalog of stuff uh, we're Woo. still going to talk about other predictions as well uh, which I know Brad and Shaq you guys need to offer your thoughts I only have Davy's thoughts on the current race so we uh, we definitely need to get another recording soon with that stuff yes we do oh yeah all right yeah yeah Look but then um,
2: Shaq Listen, right? let me be on time with my homework and then I will come back to you yeah let me <laughs> yeah, know that so that you just know give that. me a couple days <laughs> yeah
0: but uh, Shaq, where can they find you on the internet?
2: Hey, yeah, yo, you can find me all over the internets at Shaq Excellence, that's S-H-A-K Excellence. Uh, you can also hear me occasionally on, yeah, the Screener Squad or the Breakfast Pub, uh, also on the site. And also from my other show on another fucking network, uh, sequels over on Talk Film Society where we talk about direct video sequels. We put out our second episode about a week ago, I believe, by, by the time this comes out, where we talked about an extremely Goofy movie. Which I listen to, so. The, <laughs> the subtext in this movie is a lot darker than I thought it would be.
0: <laughs> I don't even know if it's darker. It is definitely much more grown up than you
2: think for a Disney movie. Yeah, because no. we
0: basically realized that <laughs> Goofy's
2: really fucking depressed. <laughs> like, it's really bad. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And a couple other things. And then, yeah, we got another episode coming up. I, I We know what movie it is, but we won't say it until it comes out. No, it's cool, cool. And, uh, yeah, check
0: that out, too. Awesome. No, I'm excited. <laughs> it, it did make me realize a few details I'd forgotten about that movie were just like, oh, yeah. There was that snap fight they did where they scared away the dude just by snapping menacingly at him. <laughs> yeah. They tried to the West Side
1: Story that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. But then, uh, Brad, where can they find you on the internet? um i do have a twitter account uh, bradley of martin um i might tweet something once a week i don't know and it's usually obscure and uh, i'm on the screener squad and also i'm not on deliberations of doom but please listen to that show it's fantastic and it's halloween so they're gonna come out with some awesome episodes
0: yeah i believe it's uh just it. recorded a new one so i'm excited to yeah, that Watch. yeah so uh, but yeah, you can find me here on the One of Us as well. I host the Screener Squad, I write the notes, and occasionally host the Breakfast Pub. I host the Eye on the Prize. I'm the guy who's pretty much the main reason this podcast exists in the first place. To be fair, Woo! But, um,
2: yeah, yay! Yeah. Yeah. Thank guys, you for assembling us, Justin. <laughs> Dude, I'm happy you guys are a part of this. I
0: I would feel so bad. It was just like I'm just sitting here in the microphone talking to myself about Oscars because I like it. <laughs> you know, <But laughs> you, guys, you guys make it great. I really thank you guys for that. And then yeah, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. And you know what? You can share your opinions with me on Facebook. But you know what that m- amounts to? A Halo Beans. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but
0: uh, yeah, and on that note, on that depressing note, yeah,
2: I, yeah, edit, edit, we're it's done, it's done, <laughs> bye, all right, see ya.